0: Hello, welcome adventurers to the Travel Log podcast which I, Stephen Hoffert, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily and she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, provide the background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of counters you can run in the area, or what type of characters you can create whose backgrounds are based in the area. This week, we're covering the Fallen Enclaves of Netheril. Lily, after what we talked about last week with the rise and fall of Netheril, what's something that you are looking forward to or curious about Nethril for this episode?
1: I don't even know. I guess which Enclave is the most insane?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The most ridiculous? <laughs> which one will kind of win the award for most crazy en- Enclave? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> the Floating City of Aboyance was established in negative 1647 DR, by the archwizard of the same name. The enclave's tyrannical leader enjoyed the location, and the city rarely moved from its initial site. The archwizard Boyance also preferred the close proximity of the ground, and the city rarely rose more than 200 feet over the surface. The city was designed around a series of concentric circles, and towers were a common feature upon its skyline. At the core of these circles lay the private residence of Boyance himself. Lesser archwizards and schools of magic slowly worked their way outward from the center, and the common populace was regulated to life at the very outer edges of the floating city. Boyance was an archwizard who worked in the field of inventive magic, prizing spells that stripped others of their vitality above all others. To that end, he utilized such spells such as Luke's Contagion, Jarm's Magic Jar, De threads Trap, and a retinue of personal spells that no one successfully discovered. With this power, Boyance delighted in battling other arch wizards, establishing his power, even trying to attack Karsis in later years. Boyance's body finally failed, and he followed the path to lichdom. The end came quickly to the city of Boyance as it plunged into the Netheril River upon Mistral's death. The tower snapped from their foundations on impact, but perhaps 150 citizens survived its fall. No one, None were sure what became a buoyance, but many believed that the Lich Lord survived the plunges into the waters. Also known as Find Lornell, it crashed near Hero's Helm. He's
1: got such a dumb name. They were I'm like, buoyance! They were like, okay, so these cities float. The Enclave of Bo- Bu- buoyance, buoyance. That's clever, right? That's not ridiculous. Floating city, buoy- buoyancy. You know, like floating. That's clever, right? Okay, but what's the the arch wizard's name? But bu- buoyance, bu- buoyance.
0: <laughs> I I think he survived the plunge into the waters. How do you know? Well, he's buoyance. He's like one
1: of those you know those those buoys off off the beach that float. He's one of those things. Um, magic jar is a really fun spell. I don't know what luck's contagion
0: is. Um, or Death Ed's Trap. I think these are... this The book, Netherell Emperor Magic, had some crazy spells in it. So I think it's from there. Yeah. I mean, I imagine. Magic
1: Jar's still around, though, and that's a really fun spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, don't you need it to become a lich? No. I don't think so. Okay. It's just uh, you... Someone's soul out of their body, and then you go into their body, and their soul goes into the jar. Oh, cool, cool. And then, I don't know, you go into the jar for a bit. I don't know. It can backfire pretty royally, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's really good. And you can... Uh, but the thing is, is you can... I forget what happens if you die while you're in the body. You go into the jar and they come out, but I don't know. But there's a trick you can pull where you can be like 10 times magic jarred. Oh, wow. Like you can chain jars yeah. to make yourself uh, almost immortal.
0: That's pretty cool. You <laughs> Just so many jars of you.
1: Yeah, because you cast magic jar, go into a person put them in the bottle, and then while you're in that person, you cast Magic Jar again go into a different person, put them in the (laughs) bottle, and you get this big chain
0: of Magic Jars. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm seeing it. It sounds almost like a Magic the Gathering combo.
1: Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous.
0: I find it funny, too, where it's like he raised the city, and then didn't really move from the yeah. initial site and didn't go that high. And it's like, Hey, hey Bud, did you, did <laughs> yeah, you I know, right? Really want a floating city? No. <laughs> it sounds like maybe he just wanted to be on the ground.
1: <laughs> no. He just wanted he just had to do it to become an arch wizard is all.
0: Exactly. Just to prove he could. And then he's like, Okay, but actually I don't like this. Let's let's go down.
1: Then he built a bunch of towers though.
0: Yeah, true. True.
1: <laughs> I wanna be I wanna be high up in a tower. Not not as high as everyone else though.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The city of Delia was elevated high above the shadowtop trees in negative 1401 DR by the sorceress known as Lady Polaris. Originally known for its druidic and elven origins, the druids and elves who founded the city and agreed to its elevation soon grew disillusioned and left. Originally an island carefully crafted by the druids, Delia was altered once it became an enclave under the control of Lady Polaris. Its treetop city architecture was soon expanded by more conventional means to support the wide array of magical research and city services that Lady Prolaris demanded. This enclave was rumored to fall near the Hidden Forest, now known as the Hills of Scent. Okay, the Hills of Scent is
1: the worst area name I've ever heard. (laughs) Hills of Scent, what do they smell like? (laughs) Um, but also wow elves and druids the city (laughs) changed and you had to leave who would have thought that agreeing to give your island to an insane netherese wizard would turn out poorly
0: exactly it's like we she, she just seemed really nice. And she's like, hey, I can float your city. And they're like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. And then like, you know what? This sucks. This sucks. This forest wasn't what it used to be. We're no longer a bastion of nature and stuff. This crazy wizard ruined everything. It's like, oh, gee, you think? I do like the idea, though, of there being different schools of magic in these enclaves. So, like, one of Druidic and the power and one of illusions and offensive spells like it makes sense yeah they kind of all
1: i mean the druid one doesn't really make sense to me and that's probably why all the druids left (laughs) but i mean it makes sense it makes sense to me that the arch wizards would um i mean yeah they want to differentiate themselves from the herd right so it makes sense to me that they would pick kind of like a specialty Mm -hmm. you know you got evocation
0: you got enchantment you got conjuration yeah yeah true Iu lambs floating city citadel and enclave were in the eyes of some netheries the greatest of all floating cities. The city, Zinlel, was indisputably the first floating enclave. It also contained the only mosque to Mishril that was ever allowed on an enclave. Because of this, the church grew quickly, and its uh, membership was bursting the walls. In less than a century, the church was relocated to a larger building seven times. Ayulam himself was a member, though never an official fellow in the clergy. The church, in all of its incarnations, was shaped like a star, Seven points of the star stretched across the soil and into the streets, while eight similar star points rose into the air at different angles. Clergy members lived and worked in the elevated points of the star, while churchgoers and the members sat in the ground-level points to witness the weekly services. Positioned in the center of the star, the head priest preached, and magic carolers caused the magic ebbing through the air to sing and almost speak. It fell into Neverwinter Woods.
1: It sounds like a pretty sweet church. I think that would be a really cool. Um, I mean, weird that Iulam's city, seeing as he was the first one and everything. Yeah, is so focused on this church that he's not even a part of. It's kind of odd to
0: me. Well, he, he he did what everyone did though. He had his enclave he had his like you know research and stuff it's just this was what kind of made it special yeah it um yeah i know i'm just saying
1: that that's it's just odd to me that what stands out in his happens to be a church i guess yeah especially because they're all so like fuck the gods the gods are just wizards and we are wizards so fuck them yeah Um, it's
0: weird yeah actually no now that you mentioned that's true they're supposed to be like pretty anti-god i wonder why Iulam was different maybe he's from an older Netherese that like had a bit more reverence
1: i mean it says he's not really a part of it but yeah maybe also possibly i mean possibly he just did it because he knew it would make people come to his island
0: true because just because these wizards
1: aren't religious doesn't mean they don't realize everyone else is that being said this citadel this uh, church does sound really cool Mm. and i think um if you need it if you were exploring and running around neverwinter or anywhere along the Sword coast i think this would make for a fantastic dungeon just because how cool would it look you know you go into the neverwinter woods you trek for like three days through it and then you start slowly seeing these odd stone formations you know this is like 2000 years ago so the nature would have grown over it and recaptured it but you know the grand ground starts to become unnaturally uneven There's large swaths of random stonework and broken statues. And then finally, when you find it, um, the ruins of this church, these star points are just like jutting out of the ground in all sort of directions. Like I'm trying, I'm imagining like half the church destroyed on the ground. Half the church has been grown over from plants and dirt. And then half the church, I guess one third each, is still like the spires just jutting every which way out of the ground. Mm
0: Mm-hmm yeah
1: wouldn't that look so cool yeah it would be really cool they've got like vines and moss growing on them now yeah you gotta end you gotta journey into it find the entrance underneath the dirt or
0: climb up into one of the star points yeah that's really cool yeah i i, I would love that and like it's interesting that it would be like a church of mistral so like especially if you have a uh, a wizard or someone that follows uh mistra just seeing the like subtle differences of yeah. the church and of the the reference you know yeah it sounds like a really cool especially because it's so... Mistra's over yeah exactly
1: <laughs> it sounds like a really cool uh ancient dungeon to explore yeah yeah no it sounds really cool you could also like i think it would be really cool to make it so like some of this magic still persists to this day mm-hmm. and so like occasionally there's echoes of singing through the cavern as you explore the ruins like occasionally you know kind of like spectral voices hum and sing in the air and the ambient magic that is here has created all sorts of like monstrosities
0: and stuff mm. yeah yeah that'd be really cool he also was kind of a bit of an archaeologist like and if there's a new magical finds he would go and see them as kind of like a way to show off to the the biggest wizard so i'd think you could find like some really interesting different research right. researches and deeper into ailulamza uh, uh, enclave oh yeah created by the arch wizard in negative 2019 dr Joktaleg was a center for magical study of the variator arts unfortunately for its residents some of its experiments were more lasting than others Quanto began experimenting with the city's Mithalar in an effort to allow himself and other arcanists of the city to polymorph themselves at will. What happened instead was the mass polymorph changed the citizens of Jokhtaleg. As he completed his modifications to the Mithalar, all of Jokhtaleg's citizens were transformed into wood giants, or Vodkin. Terrified for his own sanity, and realizing the dangers of staying in Vodkin form too long, Quantine attempted to reverse the effects of the polymorphine attempt, but to no avail. Fortunately, however, the knowledge and abilities of Joktileg citizens remained intact, a curious side effect of Mithlar's magic. Of course, when citizens left the capital, they quickly came under the influence of the harmful effects of the spell, namely losing all their personality and becoming true Vodkin for all intents and purposes. A few cloud giants took interest in this enclave seemingly ruled by giants and would come to visit with delegations from time to time. When Netheril's magic failed, the Mithlar on Jocelyn exploded. Curiously, while some of the citizens died in the explosions, others were teleported to various locales throughout Faerun. Though their personalities were slowly consumed, rumors exist that for many years that Quantal had survived the destruction of his city and discovered a way to retain his mind. So, Vodkin? Vodkin? Look look hella dumb. Well, hell can we look them up, Vodkin?
1: they've only been around since i mean they've only existed in 2e i guess they stopped being in stuff around then
0: because everyone was like no nah, no nah. oh yeah they look dumb as hell what, what what why is your head like that yeah i know what happened to your head bud i
1: know they look really dumb also oh no just like oh my
0: gosh they're so they are they are um they have unfortunate heads they're also just like
1: yeah they have very unfortunate <laughs> heads also just skimming through their lore i can see where they stopped being around they just seem like you know they're kind of just like furball right and it's like they're not very interesting scheming through the lore as compared to the other giants because i i love the ordining and the giants and stuff yeah. each one feels very unique and cool and this one's just like reclusive giant that's like kind of a wood elf or a firbolg <laughs> i guess yeah like, that doesn't seem stand out enough to me
0: yeah i would change them i would change them to wood elf sorry to firbolg or to goliath or stone giant depending on what you wanted
1: it does yeah it also i guess it says they're giant kin not true giants so yeah so there you go
0: still it's uh they're kind of silly
1: i don't like them i said i don't don't like like them
0: either yeah i'd say like goliaths or or philbolgs instead of vodkin but yeah i i I find it very interesting like of course magic experiments failing is going to be a thing here but talked about cloud giants uh like you said kind of looking down at all these enclaves and like huh what's like why are there a bunch of giant kin up there
1: <laughs> yeah i wonder what they uh, i want to i want to know more about what the cloud and storm giants thought of all this <laughs> but um uh, yeah. this one's so funny why did he want the city to have polymorph at will like what what gain do they get from that it's such a random spell like don't, don't get me wrong polymorph is cool but like what what what, you could pick any other spell and you pick the one where it's like my citizens will be able to turn into cats whenever they want whenever they want to oh but you would prefer to turn into a rat fine that's okay i guess if you want
0: to be like that it's kind of cool like a weird what a weird choice (laughs) i mean it would it it would be a novelty i'm sure some people um with certain proclivities would like rush through the chance to polymorph it will all right it sounds like it would be fun i just think it's a
1: yeah i just think it's a very random spell to pick of all of them the carsis
0: enclave wasn't the first floating city of Netheril, but exceeded the magnificence of iulam in a few distinct ways however first the enclave was one of the first created with two different Mythalar's that supplied magical power to all of its unique creations The first Mythalar powered all the quasi-magic items that existed in Karthus, while the second provided magical energies for various magical luxuries and gravity-defying architecture. The gravity of a given space would change, allowing inhabitants to walk on walls, float in areas, and statues to seemingly levitate in parts of the city. The novelty of this brought many to work in studying Karthus. Karthus made the law in the Enclave, but left the enforcing to others. He took an active interest in espionage, however, keeping the secrets of his enclave closely and prying into other enclaves whenever he could. The enclave houses the most advanced research into the study of demiplanes next to Shadow and the leading school of alchemy. Later in his life, it contained a museum to heavy magic. This magic was a curious sight for everyone who visited Carthus, for it was the only one of its kind. The building, three stories tall, had 52 huge cabaret-sized rooms filled to the ceiling with heavy magic. Each of the rooms had a different mixture of spell effects to create a sort of entertainment and historical archive of Netheree's events. The museum was a collection of illusions and phantasms that created important events from Netheril's past, such as Iulam's creation of Mithalar and the rising of the first Nethery city, and others. Of course, such illusions were created by Carthus, and his viewpoint was slightly skewed from that of the same sages. One even remarked that they were surprised that Carthus didn't help Iulam create a Mithlar in the museum's version of events. The first few times that one entered a heavy magic-laden room, there was a wave of nausea. However, once the illusionary and hallucinatory effects took over, all side effects disappeared. It was also known as and it fell into the high forest. So there's so much actually written about Carthus' enclaves to like the butcher shop, to like... It, it it breaks it down like a city, almost like Baldur's Gate and stuff. So in right. Netheril Empire magic, we could go like we could go deeper into it, but yeah, this is like I kind of picked, cherry picked kind of the most interesting parts.
1: Yeah, yeah, his is proper insanity. I love it. I love this gravity changing effect. I love the floating statues. The gravity thing sounds so funny. <laughs> also, I love that it's like here is the museum to everything that in netherill has achieved our greatest achievements this fantastic record of all of our events it's also mostly a museum to how great i am
0: exactly because
1: it's like yeah okay i get it you're depicting what other people are doing but you're depicting it through the thing you invented that you think is the shit <laughs> yep <laughs> like you can say it's a museum of Netheril all you want the name, the Museum of Heavy Magic, right. it's
0: actually you just showing everyone this heavy magic you invented. Exactly. You're showing it off. I would love, absolutely love to come across this yeah as a ruin, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool to have random areas of wild magic and dead magic and random areas where the gravity is different. It'd be very cool. Yeah. It'd be really, really cool.
0: Well, and also just go through this weird obviously propagandist museum yeah yeah and like to, to as a way to exposition your players to like the fall the into netherill and the fall of netherill have them kind of see and they're like you, you almost play it up like the avatar last airbender play episode where it's like versions of events but kind of overly simplified and kind of like tongue-in-cheek yeah it's quite cool yeah i like it
1: yeah i love it it'd be a great a great dungeon ruins to explore very fun
0: yeah i went into how this weird architecture worked and it makes sense like oh yeah go up like you walk up a wall uh here and like you're on the ceiling in this part and it just like making it completely confusing <laughs> confusing like just for the sake of novelty
1: yeah yeah i love him i love this
0: raised to enclave status by veridon in negative 502 dr oh that's very late in the game the floating city of lathri used the magic of its mytholar to capture fish for the export to other cities lathri levitated along the shoreline of the narrow sea teleporting fish that swam beneath the enclave into a storage room that was affected by continual veridon's storm spells The Veradon had perfected the magical transport of the city's Mithlar to be able to send crawfish and lobsters to one large holding tank and regular fish to another. The ancient white dragon known as Wintercloak flew beneath the city and was subsequently teleported inside one of its cold storage chambers. As it tore down the walls of its cell, Veradon and his enclave Arcanist faced the creature in the streets of Latherny. Veradon died at the receiving end of a breath of icy coldness along with nearly a dozen of his archivists. The survivors, however, killed the beast. The city fell, and some survived. However, when the magic regained its effects, they were teleported into the cold storage (laughs) and froze to death. The city now sits, city-side down, in the high ice, Near the Channel Mountains. Love that. That is so funny <laughs> that they all got teleported into the cold storage. <laughs> right.
1: Also, I love how this guy, like, I mean, he's so late to the game. He's going to have his floating city for such a small amount of time. You've got all these other guys in their floating cities yeah. for like a thousand years. And then you've got him for like three um, but, uh, I love how it's like by this point, it's so late in the game that they're like, what are you going to focus on? Polymorphing, heavy magic, illusion, enchantment, um, great feats of amazing arcanist wonder. And Veridon's like, well, all of that has been done. So we're going to focus on the transportation of fish. <laughs> <laughs> like i love this idea no. that he's just like it, it, there's just no more ideas yeah, left it's there's just the last thing. <laughs> so he's like i don't know
0: fish fish uh it's people need fish people of. like fish right <laughs>
1: let's do let's do let's do fish
0: oh it's so funny but okay it's city side down and it sounds like the kind of teleportation effect is like underneath the city so yeah so it's at the peak yeah it's at the peak would be like where the teleportation is so That would be really interesting if you're in the high ice and have your characters roll around in the counter or whatever and they walk on this peak or walk on this thing and they just get teleported.
1: Yeah, into the um, cold storage, which you could act like a dungeon. That would be quite cool.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool. I think that I'd really enjoy that. And, like, yeah, because it's, like, unnaturally cold, it has, like, certain creatures in there that, you know, wouldn't, like, found a home there because they enjoy it. But, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, there's some
1: frosty boy undead in icewindale the campaign book oh yeah you could throw in there too the former citizens of the enclave
0: yeah that's a great idea yeah Halvar was a widely known arcanist who was well liked in his home community of polter as the archwizard who controlled this enclave Halvar established the laws that would guide the city one such law was that everyone had to use magic in one form or the other He encouraged all entrepreneurs, smiths, and business owners to train their workers in the use of cantras, which is Nethers cantrips. This aided the city's inhabitants in creating one of the most magical enclaves. His most famous device, Halivar's Universal Pantograph, a device that copied anything put inside its two-foot-wide interior, helped propel Peltier into the forefront of magic use and availability. But it also calls, however, a great number of enemies outside the enclave. Though he was an archwizard, he left most of the rules to the constable and elected council of seven members. This allowed halvar to spend the majority of his time entertaining children and young adults with puppeteering. He left this city when a group of arcanists and priests entered Paltier to kill him, escaping from the spellvisors headed west into the savage frontier, only to be killed by bandits who wanted his device. The pantograph was never found, but its whereabouts have been theorized to be west of Netheril. Halvar was believed to have left clues scattered around the city as to the location of his pantograph, and the Golden Age of Netheril was the treasure-seeking age for Paltir. Arcanists and Archwizards alike came into the city in droves, purchasing buildings thought to hold the, key to the location of the pantograph and then demolishing them in their efforts to find the clues. No one did. When Netheral fell, the city of Paltir crashed upon the rocks of Arathi's Rest, and the few survivors made their way south after the fall this guy had such an
1: unceremonious death it's so funny yeah (laughs) poor Halivar.
0: poor Halivar. I this pantograph very interesting
1: I think more interesting is the fact that his hobby was puppeteering (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny I love that he was like ruling the enclave no I don't care you all do it I'm gonna put on a puppet show (laughs) everyone come to my puppet show come 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 to my puppet
0: show enjoy enjoy
1: the admission is you have to do a cantrip prove that you're magic now you get to see my puppets
0: (laughs) this thing though all the magic all the magic those puppets hold
1: i love him he's like i have invented one duplication device what does it duplicate small things two feet on a side well i guess more like 1.9 on a side (laughs) and uh i'm done I invented one really cool device. I'm done. going to retire to my puppets now.
0: Yeah. I looked into it and this pantograph that he had, it actually will apparently perfectly copy any living material. So like if you put, I guess like a baby in there, it would just make a clone of the baby one-to-one.
1: That's pretty cool. Pretty intense. It'd be a pretty good MacGuffin. Hmm.
0: Yeah, maybe have like your big bad evil guy or someone who has become really rich because they keep on like copying expensive items. And that's kind of like they're like the secret to their wealth or whatever.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. Or a dash to try and find it. Yeah, yeah. You have to find, go around and find clues. Kind of like a tra- scavenger hunt or something. Go around through the through the various ruins, spread around wherever this is. And uh, each clue puts you one step closer to finding the... Pantograph. And
0: that's the key to the clues. Everyone thought it was buildings that he hid it in, but actually is in his puppets. <laughs> yeah. You look in the puppet, like the seam of the puppet or right. some, or like the plays he had and you're like wait a second also wait i love that people bought cities and
1: destroyed them one okay i love that his enclave seemed to survive after yeah. he died like he just freaking abandoned it but also that they came bought buildings and then broke them down to find the location and like okay if i were to hide <laughs> yeah, i know right? a <laughs> clue in a building to where my super secret device is just off the top of my head, anywhere that I would hide it in my house, destroying the house would make it considerably harder to find.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? idiots? The enclave of Juxedur was the leading enclave of espionage in the Netherese Empire. At the time, Karsus cast his fateful spell. The enclave of Juxedur was high above eastern Faerun, spying on the enemies of Narfal and Ramothar. Larlock... The sorcerer king of Jiksadur was warned by contingency magic that the enclave's doom was imminent, so he abandoned it on Dragonback just before its fall. As a consequence of that action, the city turned upside down during its descent and crushed under its own bulk upon impact. The remnants of Jiksadur now form a mountain known as Hark's Finger, which rises incongruously from the plains of Narfal. Some of Jixajir's treasures now lie in the tomb of Narfel's binders, and Larlock managed to recover others through barter with Sastam. Many of Jixadir's treasures, however, still lie buried beneath the mountain roots. I think
1: it'd be really cool to have like an upside down city dungeon. I love that. Yeah. You know, you go into it and half of it's destroyed, so half of it's unaccessible. But what is, like all the doors are connected to the ceiling and stuff. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Um yeah. because just take a house and flip it upside down and imagine exploring through it, right? not that sounds pretty fun? Yeah, it sounds super cool. But like a whole city like that, that sounds
0: really fun. I was really curious reading through this. I'm like, what did Larlock do in Netheril? It's like, oh yeah, head of spying. Checks out. Yep, checks out.
1: That's pretty much all he does now is sit around and spy. How he just kept doing what he was doing, except underground instead of in the sky. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, what? Should I change what I'm doing? No, whatever. Just build me a dungeon and I'll start spying from there
0: and writing a book. Nah, I love my job. Don't want to leave it. <laughs> I,
1: like, I like Larlock. And I love that he was a spy. He's so high up in the air. Also, unfortunate that it fell in Thay, although I've always thought running, I mean, Narfell must be close to Thay if Tam took a bunch of stuff. I'm not sure off the top of my head where it is. I've always thought doing an adventure in and around Thay would be fun and throwing this in there would be cool. Yeah. Then, uh, like maybe you have to-
0: We're masters of summoning demons who maintained the black magic traditions in Narfell. Okay. So yeah, they would summon demons, trap them, and then use their power for their magic. Okay. Binding demons. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Upside down dungeon would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Contingency is still a
1: spell that you can cast as a high-level wizard.
0: Oh, what, what does it sets do? sets
1: a contingency.
0: Okay, so just think if this happens... A spell that this. can
1: only... You make a spell that is your contingency that can only... There's restrictions on what spells spells count, and then you set a trigger. So I hit one HP, and teleport happens and teleports you to your house.
0: Uh Oh, that's really cool. Or okay. someone
1: says, fuck you, and I... Polymorph gets cast on me and I turn into an ancient red dragon, you know? Cool,
0: cool. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet spell. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, the possibilities seem endless. Quagmire levitated over the watercourse and marsh of simplicity. The streets were bathed in constant rainfall and slippery moss, and the buildings were always in a state of mildew. The archwizard who controlled the city was extremely secretive, and not even the other archwizards knew who they were. Some thought they were a lizard folk, shaman, of the Marsh of Simplicity, who was slowly draining the resources from the city and giving it to their ground dwelling associates. Others believe they were a vampire whose skin could never touch the light of day, feeding upon anything that approached quagmire from the ground, including all the lizard folk living in the marsh. Aboard this flying citadel was a temple to the god Targus. The archwizard forced their army to follow Targus, who taught bloodthirsty, single-minded battle lust. It was said that the fiercest warriors hailed from Quagmire. The temple, built to look like a huge helm with two axes above the metal roof, looked subtly like a crossed bones. Arcanists and priests were not allowed into the school, since they had more mystical approach to warfare skill. The higher into the building one traveled, the more powerful and more skilled one became." They were very effective, yet they couldn't seem to convert all within Quagmire to the Brotherhood of Blood. Quagmire plummeted into the Marsh of Simplicity, now the Blind Rift in the High Ice, when the magic ceased. Its survivors were forced to battle their way out of the swamp as the lizardfolk, led by Garzad, took over the broken enclave.
1: Pretty cool. Another religious enclave. Targus is dead now. Oh, yeah. It was an exarch of Tempest. Okay. Focused on the destruction part of war. Rather than right, because his portfolio was exarch of tempest, the god of war, right? So, but yeah, he focused yeah. mostly on like how the red knight is an exarch of tempest who focuses on the strategy of war. Targus focused right. focused on the destruction of war. Um, oh, cool. Not around anymore though. Yeah. But pretty funky. I wonder if these guys went into any actual war, if they were just hanging around playing war.
0: But that sense, sounds... I think they fought against the fae. that would be a that, would, that would be a pretty
1: cool dungeon to encounter, full of like zombie lizard folk zealotous warriors you know
0: yeah also i would enjoy having it i think it would be a really cool uh play on expectations to have it if you went to this i know somewhere around the marsh or you went to some marsh near here seeing an elder like a an ancient elder of the lizard folk and them actually being this like ruler of quagmire and like you know you wouldn't expect i think through uh, how we've been brought up to think about lizard folks and like in the game, think about them, you'd be like, Oh, yeah, like this is some like shaman thing. It's like, No, I was an ancient like wizard of death Yeah, <laughs> I led back in the days of old and I've, I'm still alive through like foul magics. I think that'd be interesting, or maybe it's a vampire, like people said. I can't find
1: where the blind drift is, but if it's in the high ice, then it's because it seems like back then it's in the high ice, yeah, the high ice wasn't the high ice yet. Yeah, the the uh,
0: highest was there, but it was way higher. It was way more north. Yeah,
1: so it's it's spread. Yeah, in our current one, so it wouldn't really be a marsh anymore. I don't think it'd be like a no. tundra, which would make it probably kind of hard for lizard folks to exist. Sure, but sure, that sure, would sure. be that would be another way to kind of subvert expectations. You know, like what are cold-blooded lizard folks doing up here? <laughs> I think it's cool. Well, personally, I enjoy vampires more than I enjoy lizard folk. I think the idea of a yeah. Nethere's arc wizard being a lizard folk is pretty funny and very unexpected. Like the mm-hmm. vampire wouldn't surprise me that much. Yeah. You know, it's just another way to get eternal life. But um, it being a lizard folk, I think is pretty hilarious. Yeah and uh i think that'd be pretty funky you have to get sent up there t- i don't know especially if say you were running a campaign where you had to go to various destroyed enclaves to collect either pieces of one netherese artifact like maybe you can say that netherese had a secret thing right and each arch wizard or right five let's say arch wizards were given one piece of it to keep it safe so that if one enclave fell the whole thing wouldn't get lost. This is just something off the top of my head for a reason why you'd be going right. to a bunch of different enclaves. I think it'd be quite interesting because, of course, I would fill it full of appropriate creatures to the enclave, right? So I think it would be kind of surprising. Right. You know, the fourth one is just lizard folk, and it's like, what the heck is going on here? And then you get into the end, and <laughs> this is one of the ones that has the actual arch wizard still there. And you know it's an undead, mm-hmm. like lizardfolk lich or something, and it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, who are you? Did you take this? Did you did you take command of these ruins after they fell from the sky? <sighs> <laughs> what are you saying? That lizardfolk can't be arch wizards? well oh no, shit no sorry i didn't oh, i didn't mean sorry, to uh, yeah. i didn't mean to profile you or be um no i'm not like that i have plenty of lizard folk friends <laughs> i'm sure you do <laughs> going to kill you now and it's like yeah okay that's fair honestly fair. fair you deserve to
0: i'm not gonna let you but yep that was my mistake let's fight i guess <laughs> i love that montor was an enclave dedicated to the god Ammonitor, which destroyed itself when researching a more powerful version of the meteor swarm spell they brought an insanely powerful meteor swarm on themselves.
1: That's hilarious. This is my favorite one. The one sentence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, they they were destroyed before the fall of that
1: <laughs> Yeah, of course. It's such a funny yeah. one too, because it's just like it checks out. How do you practice the meteor I've always thought this? How do you practice the meteor swarm spell? Like the only way right. too is to go into like the middle of the ocean. And even then, you know, I imagine like, you know, Elminster practicing his meteor swarm spell in the middle of the ocean, summons a meteor into the water. Five minutes later, out comes this really angry storm giant. And he's like, what the fuck, dude? uh, (laughs) You know, the arch wizard or, you know, Elminster or whoever it is. is just like, um... Whoops. Damn it. I can't practice this spell anywhere.
0: <laughs> no way. safe. I
1: will tell you, though, the one place to practice Meteor Swarm is not on your fucking home. No, no, never, never, never do it there.
0: Hey, I think I made it work. Wait, what? Ah. Shit, shit, shit. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Naloth was a ruined Nethery's enclave. Naloth crashed down into the Sea of Fallen Stars, where it remained until the last century. The spell plague and the draining of the sea raised the to the surface once more. Though it no longer floats in the air, the awe-inspiring architecture, barnacled and eroded as it is, drew adventurers to root through its newly accessible basements, vaults, and cellars, many of which are still partly flooded. Most say that the treasure seeking uh, most say that the treasure seekers have long since scoured the ruins clean. Shadowvar had interest in the Enclave when they returned during this time, but now, as the water has begun to rise again, it is home to Scrags.
1: Scrags! Um, Scrags. That one sounds fun. Another um, few episodes ago, we mentioned a water temple dungeon, a la Zelda, and yeah. I think this could be another cool one, especially because the way the Arch Wizards were, uh, you know, known for doing, like, really funky stuff... Um, you could kind of explain the ambient magic that's still here could uh, do, a, if you wanted to completely right. do the water temple, um, you can utilize that ambient magic that's still here to rise and lower the water
0: levels. Right, yeah, yeah, that'd be great.
1: Rather than having mechanical devices here for some unexplained reason to do this, even though it used to be in the sky, just say that this person had weird gravity magic. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. I think that'd be quite cool.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I like it. I like it as a different... Option two, like, we've had crashes, of course, into the desert and, like, the high ice, and we have crashes into forests, but I like that there's also underwater, if you want an underwater yeah, yeah. feel to your Netherees or ruin, uh, especially if you're doing, like, a, a, like, Pirates of the Sea of Fallen Stars campaign or something like that, like, be a fun little change of pace to go ruin diving.
1: Yeah, that would be quite fun. Wasn't one of the other ones falling into the water?
0: Yeah, there's another one. Uh, Sarkors was an ancient Netherese city built by one of the High Arcanists. Zuland, the Maker, infused the mithlars of his own city with a rudimentary sentience, which called itself the Source. Unlike other mithlars, it could direct or withhold its magical power as instructed. Instead of powering all items in its proximity, it could focus all of its power on a single item, on none, or on many. The development of a sentient mithlar had caused a stir among arcanists of the Empire, but the fall had ended any attempts to duplicate Zuland's feat, it plunged into the Sea of Fallen Stars. Mithlar inhabited the brain of a kraken and was able to call for help when the Shadavar returned, who repaired it. The city was later used to combat Char's machinations as a Psionic controlled the Mithlar and crashed it into Sembia's capital of ordulin I
1: love that it took over a kraken. That's so much fun. I would love meeting this kraken.
0: Yeah, that's like kraken with a Mithlar in its head and like... This oh, weird AI, it's very techie kind of feeling, yeah, like yeah. future techie, but in, in d d world. But yeah, um, this one, we'll cover it probably more when we do, I don't know, when we do shadowvar or we do Ordolin, but because it did play like a big part in that whole kind of right book series around uh, 4E when it was all about like the Shadowvar attacks. But yeah, this is another one that fell into the Sea of Fallen Stars.
1: I just love the Kraken thing.
0: Yeah, Kraken thing's great. A side warding entry into the Enclave of Sanctuary warned all guests as to the two most important laws of the city. Clearly posted and warded by Mithlar effects that forced everyone to read it before they entered the city, even through use of magic. It read, No weapons or offensive spells. Sanctuary became a haven for peace hovering above the cold forest. Those who brought weapons into the town were teleported to the surface just under the enclave. Those who used offensive spells or magical items in the enclave were sent away in a similar fashion, but usually to the center of the narrow sea or the high ice. It stayed a city of peace until near the end, when it finally allowed weapons and magic in use of its defense against extraplanar entities. Its other name was Orbindal, it fell and is now known as Warlock's Crypt.
1: Warlock's Crypt. Yeah, classic. Warlock's Crypt is a classic dungeon. There's a whole bunch of stuff written about it. Um, well, that's
0: Larlock's uh, yeah, HQ. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he took over the peace-loving one. He's like, you know who I always yeah. hated? <laughs> I love that they were
1: like, oh, shit, Mind Flayer here." Get me a sword, and they're like, "Sir, we have no swords uh, it's here." Like, we, we, yeah. <laughs> it's like, "Oh fuck, go down, oh, fuck. Go, <laughs> go down into the basement where we transported people with weapons and take the weapons really quickly." Mind flayers. <laughs> yeah. Now, does anybody no. have uh, does anybody have firebolt prepared? Well, no, we're not allowed to use it here. Damn it, mind flayers! No. Give us a little while to switch our spells prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. I also love the fact that it's like someone casts something like i don't know like a training wizard is trying to learn produce flame yeah. <laughs> and they accidentally cast firebolt instead and they're just like oh now i'm falling into the ocean <laughs> um also i love the idea of like if this was me they would definitely be teleported you know like 20 feet above the narrow right it <laughs> <You just> is fall <laughs> so you're just like wait what ah! Plung, splash that's so. That's so funny. I love that. I that's also love so the funny. idea of you being magically compelled to read the sign. Yeah. It's like as you walk up to the city gates, all of a sudden your necks lurch as you're forced yeah. to look up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, what yeah. The fuck? Okay. Yeah. Normally found hovering near Shadowtop Alp, above the Jagnick River, Shadowtop Burrow, an enclave of friendly arcanists, was often overlooked by other enclaves. They traded consistently with the elves and the other outsiders since they were founded by the arch-wizard Treb. Treb was killed in a spell-casting accident when a magical crown he was working on exploded, destroying almost an entire city block of the enclave. The crown, which eventually became known as the Crown of Horns, wasn't discovered again for hundreds of years. Shadowtop Borough was a haven for a variety of arcanists who researched spells and magical items. Quasi-magical item creation never really caught on here at the Enclave. The Crown of Horns was discovered by an eager archwizard, Shadlorn, who was trying to unlock the key to creating a more powerful mithlar. Shaylorn's research had been altered by the Crown of Horns, which now wanted revenge for its defeat years earlier. Shaylorn activated his new improved mithlar. Its activation absorbed all magical items, memorized spells, and continuous spell effects within a 20-mile radius of Shadowtop Burrow. Artists whose lives had been extended through magic found themselves reduced to ashes by improved Mithlar's effects. One such arcanist was the archwizard Shane Nadar, who had been working on a spell to counteract the Feyrim's life drain and magic drain spells. After numerous failures, she succeeded in creating a counterspell that simply negated the pharaoh's magic. Sadly, she died immediately. Also known <laughs> as Quasir, it crashed into the shattered tower.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, looking up Crown of Horns. Uh, <laughs> it started out as a helmet and then was destroyed and then reformed itself as a circlet, an actual crown. <laughs> I love the idea of someone taking over the Mithalar and it absorbing all the magical items around. That's super cool. Yeah, Apparently, the Crown of cool. Horns, Mercule grabbed it and was like <laughs> evil oh. and uh, so if you wear it you get first of all you become neutral evil second of all you become arguably undead arguably <laughs> no no sorry gradually, oh, gradually. gradually <laughs> I liked arguably like arguably undead I think I think arguably it's better though. Um it doesn't actually list much of it what it can do, right. but it gives you something called Mercule's Hand. You can once per ten day cast teleport without error, and you can uh if you do oh, if you cast Ray of Undeath from it, you uh kill someone and they become a shadow Wraith under your Command, oh. and if you cast mercule's Hand, whatever the heck that is, yeah. the target dies and becomes a greater shadow wraith under your command. Apparently, it's just you become the world's greatest necromancer. The crown. Yeah,
0: yeah, that sounds cool. As but hell. it's
1: but it's sentient and evil and makes you evil. yes yeah.
0: <laughs> I just love this little bit of irony of like, ah, oh, wait, this could save all trash. F- <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, Netherys, you deserved all of it (laughs) spiel contained so many colleges universities and institutions within its 10 years of its creation that they outnumbered taverns and fest halls Spiel touted itself as a center of learning for the enclaves especially in folklore from the angart to the rengarth barbarian tribes as well as older cultures discovered in the south elven and dwarven lore and the great deal of military history Spiel's interest in non human cultures had a tendency to draw non humans to the city in exchange for information from the various cultures of Feyrun's northern frontier. Spiel fell to the ground in the border forest and is now guarded by the lost that inhabit that forest. It's pretty cool. I like that. Do you know the lost? The creatures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the I mean they're from the Shadow of Hell.
1: Yeah, pretty creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're part of the um Sorosworn, yeah, they're terrifying monsters. Um They've all, yeah. got, uh, they've all got really fun mechanics. You've fought Sorrow Sworn and both campaigns we're currently playing on multiple occasions. I think we fought The Lost. Oh, yeah. Cool. Which one was The Lost? The Lost was either the one we fought in the sewer with... No, that's The Lonely. The Lonely is the one with a spear arm that grabs you and hugs that's and pulls lonely, you close. Yeah. The Lost was the one that was hugging filled. It runs up and it hugs you and then... Right, right, well, The right, hug yeah. kills you with psychic powers. But also what's cool about The Lost is um, its little unique mechanic is whoever it's hugging... If it takes damage, the person it's hugging also takes damage. Oh, cool. And then, like, the lonely has disadvantage on all attack rolls if no one is within 60 feet of it or something. They've know. all got funky little tricks to them. But yeah, that sounds cool. I like an enclave full of, uh it's like a history, folk history enclave, kind of funky.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be, I don't know. Once again, if you don't want to go full Netherees, you could actually have it as an interesting, like, side thing of, like, oh, you're looking for some... yeah history about this barbarian group or whatever group like yeah there was this one nethery city yeah quite cool uh the fallen enclave of synod lies on the edge of arnak where the sands of the desert sweep in over the hills of the stone lands the enclave was at a low enough altitude when it fell that rather than shattering on impact it collapsed in on itself as a result the small sheltered areas within its bulk survived somewhat intact buried beneath the mound of broken rubble The broken hill looks remarkably like those surrounding it, and it was soon partially buried by the sands, so that no one suspected such a ruin lay here. Though the ruin does lie within the wall now, keeping the Faerim Hive dwelling within it from escaping the desert's bounds, it is outside the dead magic zone that lies over Arnok, so that Faerim's magical experiments and those of their allies have continued uninterrupted even by that recent development. And a rock. Yeah, so... Faerum! Faerum Hive. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Makes sense that there's one in the desert, of course. Up until now, none of them have been in the desert. But I think that's quite cool. If we were doing, you know, a campaign where you have to go to these... There's too many of them. I wouldn't do all of them. I'd probably do maybe five. No, This would definitely be one of them, because it's the desert one. And then you get to encounter Faerum. So you've got, like, the one in the Sea of Fallen Stars, the Water Temple... You've got the one in Neverwinter Wood that yeah. has the really cool, whatever it is, the star temple. And then you've got this one, the desert one, so that everyone can go to all of the uh, different biomes. You include that Lizardfolk one to get some frozen biome in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I like it. It's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. tenethras was uh, Nethery's flying enclave. They really tried to rid the old city of Daggerpoint of criminals. However, it was destroyed in negative 647 DR, When the city's Mithalar was disintegrated by double agents working against Tanathar's rule, it crashed into the Desert Mouth Mountains. Tith Talondral, along with Loda, was brought down from the sky and destroyed by the magic of Faerim in the year of breaking storms in negative 427
1: DR. These really hate uh, the Netherees, but also
0: Loda. Loda, yeah.
1: Yeah, these Faerims really hate these Netherees. Yep.
0: Yeah. They took down two cities. That's At least, hey, they took down two. The Netheries didn't all kill themselves. (laughs) Undrentide was a Netherese flying city that floated in the southeast of their territory near the western border of the Border Forest. It crashed into the earth and it was buried under the sands of Arunach and forgotten until the Medusa sorceress Herodis discovered a powerful artifact that allowed her to reawaken the Mithalar that powered the city gaining its power for herself, but also becoming a lich in the process. The city was rising to the skies again at her command when Draugan Drogson's pupils and companions, who had followed her after she killed their master, confronted Herodis and destroyed her along with the Mithlar. The city fell back to the earth a second time. I love the city rising
1: back up, but not for very long. No. Um, (laughs) Although the idea of a Medusa lich sounds really cool. Sounds very cool. As of yeah. like undead snakes coming from her head and stuff. Oh, really that would cool. be
0: so cool. Yeah. When Netherell began investigating realm space in Yeoman's Loft, Yeoman's Loft became the main port of call for spell spelljammers. Great docking platforms were built to accommodate the influx of spelljamming vessels, standing out like arms reaching out into the night sky. Great wealth entered the, the groundling city, but spelljamming proved an even greater expense. The Arch Wizards decided that the risk was far too great to justify the tremendous expense of lost ships and murdered crews. Spelljamming was officially abandoned at that point in time. The city lost most of its inhabitants, but some remained in this enclave, its libraries thought to be the best in the Empire. The massive docking structure that was constructed for spelljamming vessels exploded and collapsed when Mistral sacrificed herself. Four spelljamming vessels that were currently docked likewise suffered a similar fate, the Helms detonating. Thousands died in a massive structure collapse of the city. It is rumored that while all inhabitants died from loss of life support in the city needed in higher orbits, it did not crash before the magic returned and is still floating high in the sky of Toriel. I love that. This is your air temple.
1: Yeah, it's quite cool. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Like they had like, you know, Probably up in the atmosphere of some sort. Uh, so like, oh, no more air, It's freezing cold. Like,
1: I also like the idea of them being like, oh no, we're falling. Ah, <laughs> oh, it stopped. Uh, huh. like it just yeah. took them. It took them too long <laughs> yeah. to fall, so they just uh, halfway through the flight, they were like, oh, still, heat, still, still, here. still cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it also makes sense that
0: threes were doing
1: spell jammers.
0: Yeah, yeah. They they went to the highest of heights. Rithurning was raised by the arch wizard. It traveled to the frozen north in search of relics of Ostoria, a lost empire of magic wielding giants who fought in the giant dragon wars. They were able to find one stone spindle with magic's sigils in negative 343 DR and began studying its effects on the enclave. The experimentation went wrong and it fell into the ice below. And if you want more information on that, you should get rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Maiden. I'm not gonna spoil it though.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, okay, so just using this idea of Therese Enclave idea stuff. So like, I would change, Herodis, the, I would make her doing that now. Yeah. And Drogon. Drogon, Dragonson's pupil and companions aren't the one that killed her. I would make her the antagonist and she successfully brings the Enclave back into the sky and that's the inciting incident. Your party is standing around in a city and all of a sudden this huge shadow starts forming over the city and everyone is like, what the heck is happening? Is there a solar eclipse? And you look up and this massive just mountain flies over the city and everyone starts freaking the fuck out. um, Because whatever, Yeoman's Loft... I would make too high for anyone to really remember anymore. You know, it's still still up up there, there, but but... no one really knows what's going on. But this one flies like right over Baldur's Gate or whatever, and it throws the city into a panic. No one knows what to do, which would be a really cool, I don't know, inciting incident.
0: Yeah, it'd be such a cool incident. And so
1: uh, I would make it like that. Also, a Medusa Lich is a really cool boss. Um or maybe maybe yeah. better, not near Waterdeep. She's on her way to Waterdeep and she just fucking wrecks just raises to the ground whatever village your party is in. And that's uh, a good way to start a campaign that's not yeah. um Uh, you meet in a tavern what happens is is the all the party members are in the city for some reason or another and then all of a sudden a giant shadow overtakes the city the one member that is in the bar all of a sudden the windows go dark like nighttime has come the one member that's out riding a horse you know you all see this happen and then this huge blast of magic happens leveling the city and with the blast of magic comes the uh, Medusa Lich's undead servants that start slaughtering everyone in the city. You are the only five that survive or the only five that are capable of fighting or -hmm. only four or whatever. And so you see each other from across the city and you start going around trying to save whoever you can and killing these undead. Yeah. And then it continues its way on to, you know, Neverwinter or whatever the bigger city is around. And now your party is like, yo, fuck this flying city. Yeah. So you got to go to each fallen (laughs) enclave, one in each biome go around the world and uh, collect, I don't know, whatever you need, five things that make up one thing that'll help you fight her. Um, And I would definitely also throw Warlock's Crypt in there and have Larlock not be a big bad evil guy, though. Have Larlock be um, the boss for one dungeon. Of course, you don't kill him. He's got a contingency Mm -hmm. or something cast, so you can't kill him. But make it so that he, depending on what the party does, he might become an ally.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because he's not—he's not happy with someone else taking his thunder or whatever, you know. I I could see Lara being like, yeah, exactly. She, she's not a rich, She's not from Netheril. This pretender, this exactly. child,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he, uh, so depending on what the party does, he can either become a secondary big bad evil guy or he can become ally. Yeah, I think that'd be quite interesting. Maybe he doesn't help you in the ending fight, but he can give you invaluable information and stuff. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool uh maybe offer one of the party members of warlock pact pact to the undead yeah and i think that'd be a really fun one and then you make the last fifth dungeon yeoman's loft yeah so you're already up in the sky when it comes time to go fight the medusa lich
0: yeah i think maybe you could be like looking for something that like zaps the like the like almost that that one mythlar the person made that like the the improved one that like zaps magical powers or something like you're trying to actually suck it away from hers or like to leech it away from hers to bring the enclave to the ground or yeah like to weaken her or do something like that i think
1: you could go with a number of things it would depend on what else you have going on in the campaign like whatever themes you want going on and stuff but i also think another one would be cool is um it's a thing you're building is a sword that can kill a Mythalar. right yeah and so you could kind of rewrite the lore of the Mythalar if you wanted um you don't even really have to like they're you can't touch them or anything um so you're going to build back some sort of weapon that can break a mythilar but not um Ooh. but maybe, we'll make it like land safely or something yeah. like that so that you don't all die or
0: maybe you're collecting quasi magic items that like they are inert unless they're near an active mythilar uh, true so they're people you're collecting these like things and it's like yeah you have this like magic gauntlet but you don't really know what it does and then when you get into the final fight, they all activate. Right. And then you have, like, all these really cool magic items for the final fight. Yeah,
1: that would be quite cool. That would be pretty
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: I would definitely, if it were me, I would definitely make her the big bad. Yeah. And make Lock a secondary figure. But I also think it would be really cool is... I think I would personally try and set it up so that there's three possible endings mm, for the party. Yeah. I mean there's infinite because you never know what your party is going to do. Yeah. There's infinite amount of endings. But I would plan for Larlock hates the party, ignores them, doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Larlock likes the party, helps. Yeah. Larlock pretends to like the party but at the last minute becomes the real big bad evil guy. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Swoops in at the end and goes, "Ha, thanks for killing her." And you're like, "Oh shit." Yeah, um, maybe, I have a city now, bye! <laughs> like if you get to, say, level, uh, say this brought you up to level 12 or yeah. something, and you were like, hmm, I really want to keep playing. Larlock, all of a sudden, after you kill her and your city, this one, is descending down to the ground, you see um, Yeoman's Loft come out of the sky, and you see uh, Larlock look at you all as he gets in a spell jammer, and it's just like, wait, that's not yes. going to end well. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that'd be very cool. Breath of the Netherese Enclave is what we're calling it. That's it for our jury today. Pour one out for all the Archwizard Liches stuck in ice. Next episode, we'll cover the Survivor Enclaves. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. Thank you also for the amazing cover art. Yeah. And blend us for the theme music around the fire. You can find them in Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. This is the second episode of our Nethere's series. If you've not listened to the first one, go back and listen to it. The Rise and Fall of Ancient Netheril. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. Bye.